0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's Leaders for Tomorrow's Future podcast. This podcast is so exciting for me. This is a place where people can be inspired to redefine the narrative about what it means to be a leader in society today. You'll hear a collection of stories from various personas about how people see themselves as leaders or those who are maybe hesitant to do that. These people need not have an organizational leadership title. In fact, their power rests in the people they serve, the communities they form, and in their ability to tap into something both large and small within themselves to take an action and make tomorrow a better place. If you only take one thing away from this podcast, I would ask that you see yourself as the leader or person you want and choose to be, knowing that parts of you already are one. Thank you so much for being here. I'm your host, Amanda Cotzalayo. I'm a leadership and team coach. Now let's get this started and join me in welcoming today's Leaders for Tomorrow's Future. Welcome everybody to today's Leaders for Tomorrow's Future podcast. Today I'm joined by Donna Thompson. Donna has used her caregiving experience over the course of her life to become the author, university course instructor, and policy consultant. She's the co-author of The Unexpected Journey, The Transformation from Loved One to Caregiver, and the author of Four Walls of My Freedom, Lessons I've Learned from a Life of Caregiving. Donna blogs regularly at Caregiver's Living Room. Thanks for being here, Donna.
1: Oh, thank you so much. It's totally my pleasure.
0: So I thought I'd start with a brief summary of your book from the unexpected journey. I found that it really helps to redefine the narrative of caregiving and what it means to be a leader in society today. So it states, becoming a caregiver is one of transformation that comes at us, requiring us to rethink everything we once knew. Everything changes, responsibilities, beliefs, hopes, expectations, and relationships. Caregiving is not just a role reserved for saints. Eventually, everyone is drafted into the role of of being a caregiver. So that's just a beautiful segment into learning more about your caregiving journey and where you are today. So, can you share your story and
1: your narrative with us? Of course. Um, Well, I am uh, a lifelong caregiver. I began um, my caregiving journey, that unexpected journey, none of us plans it, right? Well, we don't say, you know, when we're young, gee, I wanna grow up and be a a caregiver. Um, So um, when I was a teenager, my father had three strokes and I was about 16 when he had his first stroke. So my sister, my mom and I looked after him at home. He had lost his speech and mobility. Um, And then he died very young and um, at the age of uh, 54. Um, And then um, in 1988, our son Nicholas was born with severe multiple disabilities. um, And he's medically complex. He's 33 now. And um, at age 23, he moved into a medical group home out of our home into this group home where he receives one-to-one 24-hour awake nursing care. So um, we ran a home ICU really for him at home, you know, as I say, for 23 years. And I was so immersed in looking after my kids for, for all of that time with not very much help. And, um, and then of course my mom, Uh, began to age and developed uh, dementia. And she died in 2018 on August 26th. Um, uh, And uh, she was 96 years old and living well until the end with the support of um, me and my sister. But, um, you know, all of this caring experience really, gave me the opportunity to to ask myself what is the meaning of my life like i have never i was never able to work outside the home um what does it mean to look after people you love for years and years on end and to immerse yourself so that you're talking about we all the time you're never talking about i And um, so I really wanted to understand how, what were the things that helped us as a family live a life that we valued and individually and collectively? What is helpful? And what is actually um, programs and services that, hurt us, like, you know, the the opposite of helpful. So I wanted to kind of analyze um, how to live well within circumstances of adversity, and health challenges in a family. And so I really did a deep dive into moral philosophy and the personhood of people with cognitive disabilities—like, are they fully human? Why should we pay for their upkeep and health and well-being with taxpayer dollars? So, what's the social contract for care, uh, which, of course, is very relevant to dementia and Alzheimer's too, and severe mental illness? Um, and then, in the four walls, it, sorry, that was the four walls of my freedom. Um, and then in the unexpected journey of caring, the quote that you just read, um, my co author, Dr. Zachary White, and I came up with this premise that if we could help people develop a vocabulary for describing very complex care experiences that are often um, not talked about. They are um, very difficult to even think about in our own heads because we don't have the language to describe them. Um, We we thought if we can develop um, a kind of caring literacy, and give people the language that they need to describe their lives, um, then maybe we could take that capacity for language and description and use it to advocate for more support and more visibility of caregivers and their families.
0: What a wonderful narrative and journey you've had. I know I've been touched by all this over the course of years. Um, in, in reading, <clears throat> demonstrating the power of collectivism, mm. communication, and compassion.
1: Yeah, I think it, when you combine those things, there is nothing that we cannot do. And I, I think that you see the power of community in online support groups. Um, you know, and certainly, over the beginning of um, of my caring life, uh, I was very isolated at home, and it was in the days before the internet, so I didn't know anybody else who was experiencing what I was. But now, if you go on, um, you know, online and and join a, a caregiver support group there are people awake at three o'clock in the morning in different countries and different time zones. And they will say, oh, I'm experiencing the same thing. And um, here's an idea that I tried that my friend told me, and this could be somebody from the Philippines talking to somebody in Arkansas at two o'clock in the morning and finding common ground and shared knowledge and experience. So. We're living in unprecedented times of potential to develop leadership, to develop community online. Um, and I think, you know, I look forward to the day too though, where we can offset that um, kind of communication with face-to-face um, group meetings too, because those are so powerful. And of course, we can't have those right now. So
0: absolutely. So, you know, much of what you described has the component of advocacy and, and changing people, persons, communities. And I'm really curious, to know, you know, that's, that's often a very difficult journey to begin and continue. So What's keeping you inspired and motivated
1: to to continue this course? I think I'm an optimist. Um, So I believe in the possibility of change. Um, I believe that people want to be helpful and are fundamentally good. I believe that everyone... um, would prefer to live in community. And, um, you know, and I believe that we're all so much better when we're working toward a common goal together. So um, those are the reasons that um, keep me believing and keep me, you know, working the fire in the belly is still um, burning brightly, you know, but um, I think there 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 are a couple of things that that I've seen happen in the last, I'm gonna say 10 years, maybe and and accelerated in the last five years. Um, One is a change in which um, governments, the role of government has traditionally been to care for us in our times of need, in our uh, life challenges. And and I, and I include in that sort of healthcare systems and um, social care, um, and even in the context of community and extended family and everything, I think people are realizing now that our collective needs in society, um, starting with the very personal home needs, moving into group needs, moving into community, provincial, national, international needs over the life course, we're starting to wake up to the fact that we can um, take control over our own experiences by speaking up and identifying what kind of a life do I want, given the givens of who I am and what I'm faced with. So, for example, um, I see a big movement right now in palliative care that is educating patients and their families to insist on an honest conversation with their doctors. So a lot of people are doing a lot of public education if you're sort of paying attention to chronic disease and palliative care as I do. And I'm seeing doctors doctors are saying to patients, you're not going to have uh, a very good Illness and dying experience, you don't want to die with regret. So, if you don't want to die with with regret, tell your doctor you want to know what is the course of my disease and where am I in that course so that I can plan the next six months, one month, four years of my life. And I've never heard that before, you know, I've never heard somebody say, to me, as a, a daughter of my mother, as a mother to my son, you need to speak up and take control over your experience here. Say what it is. And, I, you know, I remember I remember I had a really, really good friend called Kathleen Jordan. And Kathleen died, oh, a couple of years ago. But, you know, she was older than me. She was my mentor in caregiving and in advocacy. And I remember she came to my house one time and she was helping me fill out a form to get government help at home for for our son. And, uh, you know, on the form it said, how many hours do you need? A week. And... um, I, I, so I said to Kathleen, what's the maximum again? I'll just apply for the maximum. She said, no, 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 no. Don't apply for the maximum. Ignore the maximum and put what you need. And I said, well, I honestly think it probably about 60 hours a week. And that was, again, much less than I probably actually needed. But. You know, the maximum was 10 and she said put 60 and i said okay but aren't they just what are they gonna do like that's not allowed and uh she said it's what you need put it put 60. so i did and i I've, I've never forgotten that moment and i thought i am going to be honest about what I can and cannot do on my own. I'm gonna tell other people the kind of help that I need and I'm going to be unapologetic about it. And I think that that is leadership and it's radical also to buck the system because we're socialized to say, we will take what we are given and only ask for the maximum or for the minimum or nothing at all. Um, so it, it takes imagination and bravery, I think, to be a leader in the context of um, resilience and, excuse me, family life. You know, these personal matters that are bound up with love and loyalty and so forth.
0: What a touching
1: experience and wonderful mentor to have
0: had at that time of need. Um, You know, as you described that, it reminded me of qualities that the Harvard Business Review had put out at one point. And the one that stood out for me here is balancing truth with optimism. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Having the Mm -hmm. courage to do it. You know, that is leadership as you spoke to these things. What would you say the meaning of leadership is now to you compared to before? you started all of this.
1: Well, you know, I think what, what is coming to mind is, um, a, a concept that Adam Kahane, um, wrote a book and wrote about in his book, Power and Love. Um, and, Adam Kahane is, is actually um, a, well, he, he was a scenario planner for Shell Oil. And he would go to different countries and he would um, look at the implications of um, oil and gas extraction on local communities. And there would naturally be a lot of um, uh, competing interests in these scenarios. And he he quit doing that and he became um, very involved in peacekeeping and in um, uh, uh, conflict resolution internationally. So he's very interested in leadership and in conflict resolution. And he developed this idea um, of power and love. And power, he describes as the drive toward unity. And, sorry, love is the the drive toward unity and power is the drive toward self-realization. And he said that in conflict resolution, he used to think that it was all about unity and the drive toward unity. And the illustrations that he has in his book are a bonfire with lots of logs burning. And the power illustration is a single torch. And he says, you know, after all of the work that he's done in Colombia, sort of settling between drug lords and community leaders and in South Africa around land claims with indigenous peoples, he discovered that you need both power and love. If you have only one or the other, you will never achieve change and leaders cannot emerge. They will flame out. So I thought this was a very interesting concept in terms of community organizing and especially in the context of caregiving where it's really easy to be on the bottom of that pile of logs burning up into ash (laughs) you know seeing yourself disappear in the needs of others and so um i thought about how does one simultaneously keep the love while carrying a torch of the self and What does that look like together and how do you make decisions if that's your operating system? What what does the decision-making process look like? Like, am I going to work on this project or that? Am I going to put my hand up to be chair of the board? Do I want this leadership role? Um, And what can I bring and how can I bring the team together, especially if you're an in advocacy and wanting to, to create a social movement and bring people with you um, toward a, a shared vision. So that's what I, I think of um, in terms of the leadership qualities um, that can help people determine how to begin. How to begin as a leader? What's the first step you can take? And I think that's a very personal question. I mean, what's the first step you took?
0: What's the first step I
1: took? Well,
0: I would say I shared in some ways a lot of things that you said resonated with me. Um, I, too, was a young caregiver, and I learned from a young age to care for others while also trying to care for myself and optimism sticks with me, you know, raising others as, as I try to raise myself (laughs) um, is certainly really important to me. So the power of community, the power of change and, and advocacy in that too, Um, you know, really being part of system change is something that's meaningful to me. And what I heard you say as you spoke too, as you spoke about this this metaphor of a torch and earlier you talked about the qualities of leadership you've had and what was meaningful to you, having fire in the belly. And now I'm hearing about fire again and in, in the form of your hands and in other parts of your body and moving you forward. So um, that was that was really powerful to hear and, and how that as a driver is is moving you forward to creating this, this movement um, for yourself, for your family, for many other people, caregivers, um, and maybe people who have not even thought about the importance of caregiving, and what that equates to leadership, and what that means as on a personal level and and a systematic level. So Donna, Mm -hmm. is there anything you would want to leave the listeners caregivers other leaders with
1: yeah I think that I would say that I really believe that one of the key ingredients in leadership in 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 thinking about change um and innovation thinking about how um how the systems that govern our lives, our daily lives, can be different and better um, begins with a process of the imagination that puts aside everything we think is unchangeable because I think you need to begin with the idea that everything can change. And so I have a friend who is another advocate who uses the analogy, uh, the best day. What does the best day look like and how can I get it every day? And that's, again, going back to the personal experience of life that is a life that is influenced um, and and. Um, you know, very embedded in systems that seem unchangeable. So how do you blast apart the assumptions that we have that, oh, this can't change because that's just the way it is. No, you've really got to say, if no systems existed, what would a great life look like? And then we can begin to build it if we can imagine it. So that's what I mean by don't think about when I filled in that form, don't think about what it is that's on offer, because so often we're trying to fit a round peg into a square hole and um, we need to forget about fitting any peg into any hole and just figuring out what is better Mm -hmm. and how can I make it? How can I begin to build something better? And who who's with me? Who's with me?
0: No, oh, that's a yeah. wonderful way to summarize a takeaway for the caregivers listening and, and others. And in terms of systems, it's systems of person, systems of families. There's so many systems are embedded there in your conversation. Uh, systems of institutions, of policies, of you know societies. So maybe to summarize a. Uh, another area of your book, The Unexpected Journey, to close. There are no promises to help caregivers return to a life they knew before caregiving. No, as the book reads. And I'd add, no promises to transform leaders themselves. Where they are in their journey, new or chronic, not where they expect or want them to be. So it's really about knowing change is always possible. What's the best day you want to live today, as as Donna mentioned. Thank you so much, Donna, for sharing your insights, sharing your narrative, sharing your story, sharing what inspires you, and being willing to be here
1: with me today. Thank you so much for having me. It's really been a pleasure to have this conversation with you.
0: Thanks for tuning in to today's Leaders for Tomorrow's Future podcast. This podcast would not exist without you. Consider nominating yourself or someone else you know at AmandaCoutelow.com and click on today's leaders. Have yourself a wonderful day. Until next time, see yourself as the leader you want and choose to be, knowing that parts of you already are one.